episode number 30 of the Solo Women RV podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Belge. This is kind of a bonus episode. I had originally planned a three-part series on remote work, but after being introduced to today's guests, I knew it had to be a four-part series. Deborah Denocenzo has been a consultant about remote work since we called it telecommuting. Deborah runs a business where she helps companies and employees be more successful as remote workers. She's also the author of a book on remote leadership about leading work from anywhere and hybrid teams. She's got a bit of a different perspective from my other guests about remote work, so I really wanted to bring her on, Um, especially if you are a leader or a more senior employee and you want to propose working from your RV to your boss or your company. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. She has so much great information to share from her years of experience, so let's listen in. Well, Deborah, Deborah Denocenzo, I want to thank you so much for being my guest this week on the Solo Women RV podcast. Well, Kathy, Deborah, I'm delighted to be here. Yeah. Well, I was excited to find you because you specialize not just remote work, but being a remote leader, which yes. um which is really great. You know, I want to tell you a little bit about before we jump into who you are and everything. Before I hit the road, I was in a leadership position at a, uh, you know, at a pretty well-known company. I worked at Airbnb and mm-hmm. um, I, it never occurred to me to think that I could do the kind of work that I was doing from the road. And so I know that this is your specialty. So I'm really excited to have you on as our guest this week. So why don't you tell us who you are in your words now? Sure. I'll try to do this succinctly because I've been around for a while. Yes. My specialty is the virtual workplace, remote work and remote leadership. And I published my first book in 1999, way back before we knew much about any of this. And it was called 101 Tips for Telecommuters. Wow. Uh, Back when people weren't sure if that was the same thing as you know, uh, telemarketing. Yeah. And, um, and we had dial up modems back then and AOL email, and it was very primitive. So we've come a really long way. And the pandemic has really accelerated the shift to a further and deeper understanding of how remote work works and how it can work. Yeah, Um, because we've had to do it. We were forced to do it. So I myself came out of the corporate world in sales and marketing. And I had my first experience with remote work when a company wanted to hire me that was in Stanford, Connecticut. And I didn't want to leave Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And they said, wait, well, why don't you stay in Pittsburgh? And um, we set up a teleconferencing system then way back. And it was a picture tell video conferencing that required two desktops to operate it and two ISDN lines. And now here we are just zooming away so readily. And so, so I've done this and then uh, I saw an opportunity and, you know, I guess looked into the future and saw someday this will like be for real. And uh, so we have worked with a lot of organizations, uh, the federal government and corporations over the decades, helping them prepare leaders Um, After 9-11, we did a lot of work with the federal government in Mm. D.C. 
when you know DC could shut down at any time, but they had to continue to support people throughout the country. So my mission is to help people do remote work and do it well, and to help leaders not be um, you know intimidated by this and to support it uh, effectively. Awesome! I love that. I love that. So. One of my first questions for you is, does remote work mean low paying work? Oh, not at all. And we've seen this um, certainly throughout the pandemic. Uh, I have talked with CEOs who said, you know, before the pandemic, there were jobs that we thought never could they be done remotely. Well, then we had to do them remotely. And we've seen that it's gone really well. They're a little bit surprised. Um, I've also talked to CEOs who have offloaded uh, lots of real estate in the meantime, since the pandemic. Oh, sure. They don't have room to put everybody back in if they could, if they wanted to, they've gotten rid of that real estate. So we're seeing a lot more senior level kinds of positions and certainly contractors, consultants who have for years have uh, worked independently and remotely and made a lot of money. So let's say one of my listeners is kind of in that position. They have Mm -hmm. a job that they like. They're currently probably working remotely still, and they want to travel in their RV and take this on their road. What, what kind of steps should they do to ensure that it goes smoothly? Well, there's never been a better time to propose this then because probably they've done some version of this anyway. They've just maybe worked from home. And so now they want to hit the road. And so they would go through a process. There's really four key steps. Okay. And let me just talk briefly about them. First would be to to prepare a plan. You have to have a proposal. Most organizations like to see things in writing and see it pretty much buttoned up how it's going to work. And you should do that with not, you know, I just think this would be fun and I want to hit the road and this would be good for me. It's got to be from the perspective of the employer or the client um, that, you know, wants to see you more often. You know, we've totally changed how we see each other now. Right. I mean, we see each other on uh, by Zoom or, you know, so by Microsoft Teams or whatever. And so um, the amount of connectivity and connection that we've had throughout the pandemic when we couldn't be together has really opened people's eyes to this. So number one, prepare a plan with organizational benefits in mind. So just a, f- a few things. That yeah. What kind mind. of things would, Certainly, benefit, what would make an yeah. organization feel like this is a benefit to them? Well, a big driver for organizations, many of them is real estate savings. So organizations, as I said, are unloading real estate and in some cases doing what's called hoteling, where they have, you know, a third of the number of spaces that they need for the people, but people share those spaces. And that's called hybrid work, where some people are in the office, some people Mm. are not in the office. And so... Real estate savings would be a major thing. And with real estate savings, then you're also saving on furniture costs and all the other costs associated with having a physical person there, particularly in fixed wall office space. And real estate's one of the biggest expenses in organizations. You don't necessarily want to lead with this, but honestly, organizations recognize unless they flex a little bit more to accommodate how people want to work, uh, they have a huge retention problem. That's what the great resignation is all about. Okay. Um, you yeah. know, people... People are heading out. They're either going to other organizations. So obviously we don't want to lead with that, but <laughs> increased productivity. People can, can 
lots of data showing people are more productive uh, when they're not spending time commuting mm. um, to the office and particularly where, you know, commutes are horrible or you spend, you hear about people spending an hour and 45 minutes on the train each way. How does that possibly make sense? Yeah. Um, so reduce, reducing employee turnover is another benefit. Certainly access to, and I guess people should keep in mind if they were seeking a job, a new job even, where mm-hmm. they wanted to, the flexibility to work remotely, they need to pitch that, hey, you're getting me and my talents um, that you wouldn't get otherwise because I'm not moving to Kansas. Mm. And so, um, so you know, we're focused on people who have jobs and they want to shift how they do it. But this is a way to seek out, you know, your ideal job. Uh, but you don't you don't want to move to Kansas, which right. um, no offense to people in Kansas, but or maybe you do want to go to Kansas, but maybe just for a week in your RV. Exactly. And so um, so that would be kind of the main the number one uh, to focus on, you know, what, what are the benefits to the organization? There are other benefits to the organization in terms of attracting people that work remotely. You get better talent and you can use part-time people and retirees. Mm-hmm. Think of, you know, so many people are retiring right now and the talents that are going out the door of organizations. Certainly improved work-life balance, but most organizations honestly don't care about your work-life balance. I mean, okay. you know, they have work-life balance programs, but So the second uh, major step would be to explain why they would be an effective remote worker Mm. and what are the skills that they have that they bring to the the party that will allow them to be successful. So effective remote workers have a number of of skills or areas of competence. They must be independent, certainly. And if you want to hit the road in your RV, particularly solo, you're pretty independent already. Yes, that's Um, true. (laughs) But you have to be able to manage your time effectively. You have to be self-directed. A lot of people historically have gotten all their cues from, you know, kind of when it's time to work and when it's time to focus from the cues that we get from driving to the office and being in the office and being around other people that are working. And as you know, we have to provide those cues for ourselves. Right. Um, so certainly being self-motivated, having effective communication skills. So we're really dependent now on our ability to communicate effectively, both written communication and uh, verbal communication like, like we're doing right now. Having digital competence, I mean, you have to be really comfortable Mm. with digital technology. Yes. Uh, Flexibility, uh, because, you know, one thing goes down, you need to have another thing that's ready to go. So, uh, you know, I've got two Wi-Fi networks. I'm on one. If that one shuts down for some reason, I'm going to another one. And if our power goes out, I'm calling you on the phone and we we can continue this um, by phone. So having the flexibility, being able to problem solve. Um, because you're going to run into problems. And when you're out there solo, you, you need to you know, have the adaptability to look for solutions. Reliability would be another really key one for remote work. One of the big fears that leaders have, organizations mm-hmm. have, is how do I know they're really working? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let, let's get over that. Because if you can't articulate um, and manage it through effective performance management, knowing what you expect from people, what their deliverables are, how their results are uh, evident, then there's something wrong with your performance management system. But 
when people are not reliable in terms of being accessible, returning messages, mm. they you know, don't respond to emails for three days, that lack of re- reliability totally casts a negative shadow over remote work. Oh, yeah. And if people are really getting their work done and certainly having effective, reliable tech tools. And I, I'm a big believer in backups. So okay. um, if I were doing a big webinar for a couple hundred people right now, I, I'd probably have two additional computers set up and, uh, you know, another power source. Okay. Um, so um, and, you know, that's a bit of an extreme, but I like to I like to know what my backups are. Um, and then so building on that, then the third step would be to explain how you will make remote work work for you and for the organization. So identify that reflect on what are my major job accountabilities and what do I do every day? What are my deliverables? What are the worker co-worker relationships that I have? And the interactions that I previously handled face-to-face, how am I going to handle those now? And, um, you know, have a, a lay out what the approach to work will be. Um, if some organizations really want to know that you're going to be accessible at certain hours, mm-hmm. others don't care. They just, you know, I've talked to people when I've been interviewed that are do you know, they're journalists. And I had one say to me one time we were doing a story on work-life balance. And she said, you know, um, my editors don't really care about my work-life balance. They just want my stories in on time with no errors. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's really, so if, if, you know, typically they were just like in lots of newspapers, of course, newspapers are sort of dying, but you know, people, they thought they had to be in the office there in the hubbub of the newsroom writing stories. And we've totally blown past that. So, but, you know, again, an organization that's not really geared up for, um, or a new one that you're applying to would want to know how you're going to approach this and how you're going to approach your work and how you will be available and accessible, what tools and resources you're bringing and will have available So the equipment and the supplies that you will have that you'll um, have accessible to you. And then finally, if there needs a little bit more of a nudge, the last step would be if you can't get over the hump for them to say, go for it, sounds great, then suggest a pilot. Mm. So how about if we try this for either a couple days a week initially without necessarily hitting the road, or say, I'm going to go do this for 10 days. Let's see how it goes. Okay. And so do suggesting a pilot, which is, you know, an easier step for some leaders who can, they're not giving an outright yes. And then just, you know, I damn sure that goes really well. Okay. And, you know, be accessible, be responsive, be proactive. That sounds great. Yeah. And, and get your work done. And and make sure you go to a place where you know there's good Wi-Fi. Because yes, yes, yes. Or you know, carry, you know, I I carry with me a jet pack um that, you know, so I, I get my own Wi-Fi wherever it is. Um, and it usually works when you know other other Wi-Fi's don't work. And then, you know, of course we have our phones now too, right. smartphones. Yes. Um, but again, you you don't want to have to call in the next day and say, sorry, you didn't hear from me all day. You know, I didn't have Wi-Fi. Oh no. That's yeah, that yeah. you know, Wi-Fi is just sort of um, you know, a standard now. Yeah. But, you know, um, if you were applying for a job at a corporation saying that you would bring those resources and you're funding them yourself, 
um, says you're serious about this and mm-hmm. you, you intend to make it work and work well. Okay. So, so let's talk, you mentioned, uh, did you have more points to get? No, that, that, I mean, okay. the highlights of that, okay. I have that in a, um, in, in a guide that I'm happy um, for people to download. So they have that and don't have to like, just, you yeah. know, rely on their memory of what. We okay. Just, we'll link all this in the show notes. So, okay, perfect. Yeah. Yes. So that people then, can find um, it easily. Yeah, so it would be there. It's the make a case for remote work guide. And Great. it just lays all that out and the skills that we talked about and the rationale. Um, and so it's a, just a handy dandy guide for people to. Yeah, reference. that's great. Thank you for offering that. That's, that's mm-hmm. going to be really helpful. I think to a lot of people, uh, one of the things you, you touched upon was uh, work-life balance. Yes. So I know the employer doesn't necessarily want to hear about that, but for us as employees, how can we ensure that we do have a good work-life balance when we are, you know, basically are, if you're in an RV and you're, you're working from your laptop, it's there staring at you 24 seven. How do we ensure that we, that we're not always at work? Well, you close the laptop and turn it <laughs> off to start with. So, and it's boundaries. So that's a boundary. Um, to, you know, turn it off to have set hours. Part of what we see in the challenge with work-life balance, which was an even bigger challenge during the pandemic for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, there were many, many people doing remote work who had like no intention of ever doing it, didn't have the right resources and had their kids home because schools were closed too. It was, it was the worst everything we've ever said about how not to do it, we did during the pandemic. And, you know, we kind of got through that. We learned a lot from it. So, you know, work-life balance um, is really about uh, protecting yourself with boundaries, um, setting your own standards, expectations, and and having a plan for that. So, you know, what, what is work-life balance for you? It's probably different things for you than it is for me. For Mm. some people, it's getting out in nature. For other people, it's making sure they have their two, two 20 minute times a day to meditate. Uh, For other people, you know, they want to read, you know, two books a week and that's what energizes them. So it's really about thinking, thinking about what, kind of recharges your batteries and scheduling that if you have to, it's sort of the concept, you know, in financial planning of pay yourself first, right? Work-life balance is the take care of yourself first. And, you know, some people just get up an hour earlier a day to do the things that they enjoy doing because they're tired at night. Um, and, um, and, and just making sure that you put that into your schedule for the day. That's a great idea. You know, I have a tip if you don't mind, I'd like to share. I've done oh, by all means. definitely done some remote work um, and I only have one computer, so I don't want to be looking at work stuff. So I have a whole different alias created whenever I take on a contract job that is just the work on that specific alias of my computer. And then all of my personal stuff is, is in a a totally different workspace so that I'm not looking at work when I just want to check my email or look at Facebook. Yeah, no, that's it. That's another great way. You, you did a digital boundary basically. Yeah. And, um, and that, so that's a great solution. Um, you know, a lot of people during the pandemic, you know, worked 
you know, they set up their office in their bedroom or closets. Bedrooms are really bad. And of course, if, you know, if you're in an RV, it's sort of all there looking at you, sort of like, oh, you know, one room, you know, walk up in New York City and it's just always there. So um, I I did some some remote training for people just going into the workforce, uh, very senior people, actually retirees going back Mm, into the workforce. Yeah. And um, so one woman I remember talked about, she just bought a beautiful screen because she has like a one room apartment in, in New York and she just blocked off a corner. Mm. And so behind this, she doesn't have to look at the computer when she's sitting in, on her sofa um, right. in her downtime. The other problem that happens is, and that we certainly saw this throughout the pandemic, because there really were no protocols or expectations set up. You know, people went to work one Friday and they were told, okay, like take your laptop with you and whatever you need and don't come back Monday. Yeah, exactly. Really, I mean, think about it, really poor planning. Um, but you know, it was a, it was an emergency and that's what we did. And so people are, I haven't really had a chance to think through a lot of that way to lay things out and organize things. And so now we, now we can reflect on that and do that uh, properly. And I would say anyone that's proposing ongoing remote work, uh, they should also think about was the remote work experience during the pandemic a positive or negative one for mm. the organization? Because if leaders are looking back on that saying, thank God we got through that, that was hell. Mm. Um, and we never want to do that again. Um, or they're saying, hot damn, you know, we saw a lot of things work really well. We didn't think they could. And maybe we don't need all this real estate. You can help them advance that vision and those cost savings. Yeah, that's a great, that's great, great information there. So another question for you is you talked about a proposal for your leader, for your manager. Well, what if you are the manager and you want to take your job on the road? Is that feasible? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It is. It is um, probably there'll be greater resistance depending on how big of a team you have. Are they able to work remotely? I will share that many more leaders, managers came through the pandemic realizing a little more flexibility and working from home or wherever is really good. They might not have the freedom to say that in their organizations unless they too can point out here are some of the advantages we can save you know money on real estate and we can attract talent talent attraction is a huge thing right now mm. so um as a manager or as a leader it would be important to go through the same process that i suggested but add to that um, how are you going to continue to be an effective leader how will you support your team? How often will you plan to connect with them? How will you, what resources will you use to stay connected to them? Now, I think it would be really difficult if that were, let's say, a manager of a call center and everybody in the call center had to show up in the call center. Mm-hmm. The manager said, I'll just run this from home. Yeah, um, that, that might not go over so well, but um, certainly if there's a growing awareness of and openness to remote work, you know, the the leader could position that as, hey, this is the wave of the future. And we need to figure out how to do this to attract and retain the talent that we're going to need to prosper in the future. 
And I'd, I'd like to model how this can Yeah, work. I'll be the guinea pig. That's yes, yes, yes. I'll be the guinea pig. And while I'm doing that, I'll be hanging out at my lake house. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So, you know, it'd be a different, slightly different dynamic because the last thing that a- any senior leader would want would to have a team feel like their leader is in abstentia yeah. and they're not feeling supported. Now, at the same time, you know, we're going way more global and if you step back from it, we've had leaders leading teams, non-present team members yeah. for, you know, the, a long time because they're on, you know, on, on, in other parts of the world. Yeah. When and I was a leader, my team, I had team members in Brazil. I had team members. Right. Yeah. In San Francisco. So absolutely that I was. Well, and th- so reflect on that. Did it matter if you were in an office? The only, it didn't matter for me to be an effective leader. It was yeah. harder for them to connect with the rest of the team because the mm-hmm. rest of the team was in the office yeah. and they weren't, but, right. um, but it was, it, it was harder, but it wasn't impossible and we made it work. Yes. Yeah, so one of the things that we're seeing um, that became more apparent as we started to shift back to the office, and we've seen this for a while where you have some people on site, we didn't call it hybrid before, and other people were remote and occasionally that, you know, show up maybe once a year, they flew up from Brazil, right? Yeah. Um, if that. Yeah. And um, so, but you know, it's also not a level playing field when you've got some people. So the people that were in the office with you had a huge advantage over the people in Brazil and other parts of the planet that hardly ever saw you, particularly exactly. if you had a team meeting and you had, you know, your on-site team was right there in the room with you and other people were used to be just on teleconference. They don't feel like this an equal part of the team, and they never have. Mm-hmm. And so, what we've seen more recently as people are shifting back, um, they are requiring people to either stay home or to join from their desk so that uh, to create a level playing field, everybody's on the Zoom from someplace else. Nobody is on site, particularly on site in the same room with the boss. Um, to make it more fair. And uh, so, that's, yeah, that's a great argument right there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, we've, uh, we've seen that. We've seen that yeah. a lot. And we're going to see more of that. And um, so, and as people are looking desperately, organizations desperately looking for talent, they're going to have to look beyond their local geography. Now people are are asking, can I stay here and do this job? Or, you know, how many days a week can I work from home? And if the answer is, as many clients that I've worked with over the last two decades, well, we don't do that here. Yeah. Uh, they learned they learned how to do it. Okay. So Deborah, I kind of want to circle back to something you were talking about a little while ago. And that was you said that many leaders were actually in feeling like the work from home was beneficial, mm-hmm. um, but they don't feel free to say so. I wanted to have you speak a bit to that. Like, so it sounds like there is still a stigma with the upper leadership, upper management. In some organizations, yes, because, you know, it depends on how traditional the organization is. Some of it depends on the work as well. Um, But mostly it's the, the comfort level with seeing people around. And also another huge factor is 
leaders are very concerned about the culture of their organization. And, you know, are we growing a cohesive team where everybody's on board? And for some reason, we sort of naively thought if we saw them every day and they were showing up and they had their eyes open and appeared to have a blood pressure while they were sitting at their desks, they were on board. Yeah. And yeah. now we know that's not true. And we know that people were really on board remotely during the pandemic and even before that. And so um, it, it is because it is such a huge pivot from the way we are just totally redefining work and the mm -hmm. workplace. Mm -hmm. And not everybody goes along with that as easily. And so a lot of senior leaders kind of grew up with the liking and I've had people say this to me, you know, I miss the, just the walking around, I, you know, I could get a, a sense of the vibe of how people yeah. were feeling. And, um, you know, it's all the way back to when, you know, Peters and, and, and Waterman talked about management by managing by wandering around. Mm. And remember, we, we really encourage leaders to get out of their yeah. offices and go wander around. Yeah. Okay. So they don't know how to wander around digitally. And we have to teach them that. That's, that's part okay. of what I'm doing is, yeah. you know, so, and it's not just sending emails and it's not just doing Zoom. I talked to one senior vice president from an organization that only operates in North America. So we're talking only three time zones. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, I'm on Zoom calls back to back 10 hours a day, almost every day. Yeah. Well, that's exhausting. Yeah. Uh, but if you know, but then I always remind people, well, when we were all in the office, weren't we in meetings back yeah, to back we were. all day long? Yeah. Okay. So now you know you don't know you can sit and be on Zoom and nobody cares what you're wearing from the waist down. And so <laughs> there are some uh -huh. upsides. But the the issue of culture and and um, so I'm I'm in the process of researching this. And trying to get people to articulate really what, what told them before that they had a good culture and how, how do they identify that? And it's really just kind of a vibe, which mm -hmm. is, you know, kind of worrisome. Mm -hmm. um, I talked to, to one guy, this is really interesting, early in the pandemic, the first summer, and they usually hired a bunch of interns and they were going to have to have them work remotely. And he said, oh, we're just not sure how this is going to work because, you know, we bring them in and we, you know, like to get them to understand the culture and how we work. And I said, well, how do you do that? Well, you know, we, we take them out to dinner and then, you know, we go axe throwing. And I had to pause <laughs> and say, wait, wait, back up. So axe throwing somehow builds your culture. Uh, which is kind of like a macho kind of culture, if yeah, you think yeah. about it. And yeah. But those were the kind of responses I was getting. Yeah. So wh whether that's valid or not, and whether you agree with that or not, you have to understand that's the perspective of a lot of senior leaders. And mm. certainly one CEO I talked with said, you know, he thinks this is going to happen increasingly. He enjoyed a little bit more remote work, but his his chair of his board is saying, okay, when are we getting everybody back together here? Okay. And um, so I think you just have to be mindful of what has the culture been, what, um, you know, how, how rooted in old ways of doing things are, are those senior leaders? And have they started to feel the pain yet of the great resignation? I, I will tell you, certainly healthcare seeing that pain aside from right dealing with the pandemic, the loss that, you know, we're seeing in healthcare with traveling nurses, all of whom I guess got in their RVs and hit the road. 
<laughs> and they're going to work in other hospitals making twice as much money. I yeah. mean, think about, think about. That's who income. I rent my house out to when I travel is yeah, traveling nurses. Yeah. Yeah. Traveling nurses. And so think about that. If nurses can do it, I mean, there was great hope yeah. for the rest of us. So, right. yeah, that's great. So let's talk a little bit about that. So let's say, you know, we, we get to the point where we are able to convince our boss that we can do this. What are some things that we can ensure that we're successful when we do go to work remotely? Yeah. So I'd go back to those things that, you know, we had promised that we would do Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the skills that we would utilize and the, um, the, the way that we would handle the job. So be very responsive. That doesn't mean respond to emails at three in the morning, you know, unless it's an international kind of thing. Okay. And we all know that, you know, if you're, if you're managing an international team or you're part of an international team, sometimes the people in Singapore want to talk to you when they're not in bed. Yeah. And so that's called flexibility. So we have to be adaptable and flexible, but certainly being ensure that you deliver your, what you're accountable for would Mm -hmm. be the top thing. I mean, you know, it's hard to argue with somebody that's getting the results. Um, What we have found over the years is sometimes people aren't clear about their results, which is kind of a scary thing. And so they kind of just sort of bumbled along as they got in the office and managers thought because they saw them there, they thought they were working, but there wasn't really good, you know, performance monitoring um, Mm -hmm. and there wasn't really good project management systems. And so you may, may identify that you need some of those things. So, you know, being responsive, getting results and being highly communicative Okay. Um, and so staying present in a, you know, we, we call it kind of, well, a, a virtual presence, if you will, mm-hmm. and, you know, always showing up for meetings that you're scheduled for. And uh, even if, you know, let's just say the Wi-Fi went down, then just dial in, but don't, don't fail to show up and then say the next day, well, you know, my Wi-Fi went down. Yeah. Um, you know, that, have those two backup plans. I guess that was going to be one of my questions. So what if, you know, what if, those of us who travel, something inevitably goes wrong, you know? So let's say, okay, I had planned to go to this one spot and then my RV broke down and I was on my way to the place I knew had good cell coverage and, you know, whatever. So when something does go wrong, what would be a good way to handle it that wouldn't set, uh, set your boss off that you're not, that this isn't working? Well, you know, generally people are pretty forgiving. And so, you know, that happens once. I think disclosure, you know, being proactive about saying, hey, here's my situation. Uh, you know, my RV's uh, like in the shop and, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm in the customer waiting room and I've got my laptop here. So, but if you hear some clanking in the back, yeah. it's just, I'm working on vehicles, but I'm here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you want to demonstrate that you will overcome just about any um, obstacle mm-hmm. uh, to be, to be there and to deliver and you're there for them. Yeah. Um, this would be especially okay. true for a team leader. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that you, you don't want anyone on your team to feel like you're just having a good time someplace. And this is this yeah. has always been this has always been a perception problem um, that remote workers have had, telecommuters have had with people who um, are in the office or have to be on site. They just think the rest of us are you know, that we're, we're watching TV, eating bonbons and, you know, occasionally look at our computer yeah. and 
just don't ever want to give that impression in okay. any way, shape or form. Yeah. It's that's still the, the stigma we have to overcome, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so being present, being proactive, reaching out, you know, if this is a, just a regular thing, you're not a leader and just calling your boss every now and then and saying, Hey, so how, how, how's your day going? I just wanted to check in. So it's the, you know, one of the things I talk about in uh, workshops all the time is that we always need to think about how can we replicate and simulate what we would do if we were face to face and do that remotely or digitally. So how do we manage by wandering around? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you? So that, what, what, how can well, you do that? You know, I, I always encourage people to, well, first of all, we've got great tools, you know, I mean, I, I can actually, you remember the Dick Tracy rich wristwatch? It's real now. Uh, I know. Mean, you know, yeah. I can call you from my, from my Apple watch yeah. and see you on my wrist. Oh yeah. my gosh. I think phone calls, live one-on-one phone calls are highly underrated mm. for just pure connection and letting people know you're thinking about them. You're just touching base. Um, and uh, it doesn't always have to be on a screen, you know, with a zoom call, people are actually a little zoomed out. And so um, dropping them a quick little, you know, text to say, hey, just checking in, hope all's well, let me know if you need anything. Um, And so we can leverage digital tools. I mean, the telephone is a digital tool, smartphones are digital tools, Uh, you know, maybe sending people, particularly if you're a leader, you know, sending them, there's all kinds of wonderful, thoughtful, little inexpensive gifts that you can, you know, send people and Mm -hmm. just, you know, say, hey, just thinking about you. You know, a yeah. little box, tiny little box of two brownies. Yeah. I, you know, it, th- yeah. that kind of thing. Um, so that's not really in the moment, but, um, and then the other thing that we've, we tend to lose when we're remote is the opportunity to, you know, high five, celebrate when there's a win. Um, so a lot of people start their meetings all the time with let's start with a win Mm. now you need to make sure if you're leading the meeting you've got a win in case nobody else offers one but sometimes you'll get you know three people will say i've got a win i really need to share what a great way to start a a team meeting and if that's remote and everybody's joining from all all over the place the fact to me that's really helping to build the culture that we're celebrating and if something really momentous happens you know then have a have a virtual party yeah, <laughs> you can do that on Zoom. Yeah, now. you know, just yeah. you know, or or you know, schedule lunch. I mean, that's hard if you're in different time zones because everybody mm. is eating at a different time. But you know, if you can, or you know, a a, a virtual happy hour, and right. um, particularly if people are in the comfort of their own homes, you can, you can't really host drinking at work, but they can you know have a glass of wine at home. Yeah, if it's you know four thirty. And, and so the things that we would do in the office, if we miss that, we miss those things, think, okay, well, how can we replicate that or simulate that and, and make it meaningful? And if people just think about that creatively, they can come up with all kinds of fun yeah. ideas. One of the things that I used to like to do when I was a team lead was, was go on walks and have oh, yes. one-on-one meetings as a, as a walking meeting. And you could still do that if you're, I mean, what a great way to get out and take a walk when you're in your RV and just get on the phone and have them get on the phone and, Hey, let's go for a walk. 
I mean, God gave us Bluetooth for a reason, right? Yeah. I mean, hands-free and everything. And yeah. so if both of you are walking and you can schedule walks, that was something you used to do. You could continue to do that with your yeah. team say, okay, I'm, I'm scheduling this walk time. Yeah. So yeah. that's another great idea. Awesome. And you get your exercise at the same time. Yes. I mean, and you get to be out and yeah. Enjoying right, wherever exactly. you are. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so what we're doing, we're just doing a mini little brainstorm here and coming up with some great ideas. Yeah. That's wonderful. So, you know, and here's the other thing I always tell leaders. Um, if you don't know, ask your team. So mm. if you're not sure, you know, how can we replicate and simulate some of the stuff we used to do? So we still, you know, are really a cohesive team. Let's talk about that at the next team meeting. And I want everybody's ideas. Yeah. You know, they don't, leaders don't have to come up with all the ideas. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you, Deborah. This has been really, really great. I really wanted to have you on. I was going to originally do a three-part series, but it's turned into four parts now because I just had to have you on once I learned about you. So thank you. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you did want to bring up? Oh, a thousand things, but we don't have time. Oh, yeah. So okay. I would just, I would encourage people to just go to the website, Virtual Works Well, virtualworkswell.com. Um, or the, uh, and I will link to all that stuff in the show notes. Great. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. This has been super great information. Well, thanks, Kathy. I appreciate you having me and I enjoyed it immensely. I want to thank my guest, Deborah, again, for coming on the Solo Women RV podcast. Here are my key takeaways. First of all, the four steps that Deborah outlined for proposing going remote to your employee. Number one, prepare a plan or a proposal with the organizational benefits in mind, not just how it's going to benefit you. Number two, Explain why you would be a good remote worker and what skills you bring. Things like reliability, being digitally savvy, and being self-directed. Number three, explain how you would make remote work work for both you and the organization. And number four, suggest a trial pilot period. Also, as we've been talking about all along, there's a real labor shortage right now and organizations really need talent. So if you have skills to bring to the table, this is the perfect time to request a remote job. And finally, work and the workplace is currently being totally redesigned. So why not be part of the momentum and the change? Thanks again for listening to the Solo Women RV podcast. You can find all the information about Deborah and where to connect up with her and get her resources in the show notes for today's program. And you can also find more content for solo women over at solowomenrv.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider leaving a review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Solo Women RV theme music is Field Station by Nicole Potolsky. And until next week, we'll see you out there on the road. Mm-hmm.